Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we look back on the superb win for Patrick Cantlay at the Memorial, more Matt Kuchar controversy, and are we experiencing an era of American dominance? Hi, I'm Nick Doherty and you're listening to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name's Tom Clark and as ever I am joined by Elliot Heath today. How are you doing, Elliot? Yeah, very well, thanks. Quite tired, but probably not as tired as you, but actually maybe I am. I went to, <laughs> I went to bed at 3am on Friday night and 4.30am on Saturday night after Ooh. watching the AJ fight. Why did you go to bed at 3am on Friday night? Friend's birthday. Out partying? Yeah, that was um, that was quite a big hangover Saturday yep. morning. As but li- my team did not win the Champions League. No, so. no. Being a Liverpool fan, I have had quite a heavy weekend. So yeah, I am a bit tired, but you know, man up, get on with it, get through it. We'll be fine, won't we? Yes. So uh, what are we going to talk about this week? Oh, hang on. Before I say that, did you play golf for the weekend? Yeah, I played North Hants on Friday afternoon. Didn't oh I? yes. How did you do? Not great. Did you put one on the train track? Uh, no, not even close. <laughs> Did you birdie 18? No, my mate Rory finished birdie, birdie, birdie. Not Ooh. Rory McIlroy. Um, <laughs> Your mate Rory. And finished three birdies to finish. That's decent. Yeah, he it? shot like one over or something. Oh, good. Six. Um, we lost the match. Me and my dad lost to Rory and Pete. And I hit driver sand wedge into the last... After you said that you hit driver hybrid last, yeah, I was. Pl- I think I was playing in the in the winter, if I remember correctly. <laughs> okay, but yeah, I like North Hants. Nice club, isn't it? Really nice, good course. And then Sunday, I played, but I had no energy because I went to bed at four thirty in the morning. And I feel like I've lost my golf game a week before the club championships. So I'll report back next week. Nothing like a bit of positivity to end with. Um, um, what were you doing apart from watching? Liverpool I, had, and I played. Yeah, yeah, I. I uh, I went to a concert on Friday, date night with my wife, very rare date night. Oh, nice. Uh, Saturday, played cricket and then watched the football. Sunday, I did some coaching in the morning and then had a nice barbecue in the in the evening. Well, busy weekend. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, quite hectic, but um, enough of that. Enough of that. Let's talk about some golf. So Patrick Cantley won the Memorial Tournament, his second PJ Tour title. He shot eight under par on Sunday to beat Adam Scott by two and Martin Keimer by four. We were speaking about Martin Keimer last week, weren't we? He looked back to his best. That's good. Until and the that's, back nine isn't on that good? Well, That's exactly what we're saying. Some of these players, you know, they, they go in the doldrums every now and then and then they suddenly come alive again and hopefully they find the game. And it's great to see Keimer playing well again. So Cantley's now up to eighth in the world, his first time in the world's top ten. He has was third at the PGA, ninth at the Masters, and sixth at the WGC Mexico. So no wonder he's he's risen up the ranking so much. Uh, and Kaima was looking for his first win since the 2014 US Open. He was leading after 54 holes, but Cantley's incredible round uh, meaning he overtook it. And Scott is now up to 17th in the world, his highest ranking in nearly two years. So lots of these guys who have been maybe out of... Uh, come back I know I mentioned Spieth last week as well he was one of our tips yeah he played well and again his game looks in good good shapes lots of players even more so suddenly looking like they're coming into some form ahead of the third major of the year which is next week the US Open I was looking at the final leaderboard last night just the first page and I was really thinking that the US Open winner was going to come from there the likes of Spieth Adam Scott perhaps Patrick Cantlay no Cook no Johnson no McElroy no so, not 
Um, not, sorry, to forget, and not to forget those guys. There were three. There was Adam Scott, Thorpe, probably, Patrick Cantley, <laughs> Jordan Spieth, and Tiger Woods, who crept up onto the first page. Yeah, Tiger had a good final, final round, round, didn't he? So, and that's good that he's had another good round between the majors, which is something that he obviously missed uh, between the Masters and the PGA. So, uh, did well. So, firstly, I know you want to say a talk about American dominance at the moment. And whether we're in an era of American dominance, what do you want to say about that? Yeah, I'll move on to that in a bit. Firstly, oh really? Let's talk about Patrick Cantley. Oh, okay. who one of the hottest prospects in world golf? Let's do that then. A few years ago, <laughs> he's 27 now. But let's just go through a little timeline of his last six or seven years. So he was the world number one amateur for 55 weeks, 54 weeks in a row as well, which is a record. Uh, 55 weeks was a record but John Rahm overtook that so he was an exceptional amateur player uh, he was a low amateur at the 2011 US Open and the 2012 Masters uh, he won the Jack Nicholas Award as the best collegiate player in 2011 and then he turned pro in 2012 he quit his college degree at the UCLA two years early which you don't see many players do I think Spieth might have done that actually yeah he won his first pro title in 2013 and then it all started to go wrong for him he fractured his back and only played six events in three years. Kind of got his health back on track in 2016, and that's when his caddy died right in front of him. He got mowed down in a hit and run, and Cantlay actually tried to save him. And there were quotes from Cantlay saying how his whole T-shirt was covered in blood and there was nothing he could do to save him. So, like, just horrendous, absolutely mm. horrendous. Um, so, really, he's had three or four years off from being one of the greatest amateurs around. And then he won on the PGA Tour for the first time in 2017 at the Shriners. And then he won again yesterday. So he's now won twice. He's 27 years old and he's just been through so much. Yeah. When you, when you listen to all like that, he he shows how good he was and also what how horrendous his last few years have been. So always good to see someone who's obviously had to battle through all kinds of things to injury and also personal stuff doing well again. Not, not, not a lot of people will know him. No. Even, even though he's had two top tens in the majors this year, people really won't be, you know, he won't be on people's radar, really. And now he's he's suddenly a, a top ten player. Yeah, if he can continue playing the way he is playing, he'll be a massive name very soon because more, more, more people know his story. Like, he, he was on the Walker Cup team in 2011. He was the world number one amateur alongside Jordan Spieth, who was world number two. So yeah, just he's really mixed it at that kind of level. He's one yeah. of the guys like Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffele. We'll come on to a minute. Just the American dominance. What I think we're in, but yeah, just one of those great players. Now you keep on going on about in the podcast the last well you, for about the last couple of months about your people to watch for 2019. Was Patrick Cantlay on that? Oh, that's a very good question. Uh, we might have to Google that. <laughs> You're going to add it in now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, well, I think my point was going to be that actually he's been around for a bit and although he won last year, he still wasn't one of the guys that we thought... You wouldn't have said at the start of the year, do you think Patrick Cantlay's going to get into the world's top ten? You probably would have said... Mm, I would have said not a chance. Well, well yeah, OK. I, I thought, would have said probably un- unlikely. I thought he would, he'd kind of wasted his talent because I knew that the potential that he had and when you just don't really hear from someone for that long, you yeah. think, oh, well, that's a shame he never got to to reach his potential but maybe he will now yeah. and he's still young that's the thing he's you yeah. know, 27 you said so yeah. he's still in with a good chance so yeah look out for him obviously US Open just around the corner um, 
He's got a chance to have a really, really good season. Yeah, an amazing final round. Um, but yeah, Tom, I want to ask you. Hello, Elliot. Go on, Are please. we in for an American... I think I already asked you that question. <laughs> era of dominance. Yes. Well, you, well, I I think that you're a little bit blindsided by just how many good American players there are. There's always millions of American players at the top of the, the world rankings. There are some exceptional American players at the moment, but Americans winning on the PGA Tour is not exactly big news, is it? Americans always winning on the PJ Tour. And well, this is a conversation I had with um, Sam Tremlett, the Quizmaster, a couple of months ago, and I just thought I would like to ask you on the podcast. So in the world's top ten, there's seven Americans at the moment, and of those seven, only one of them is over the age of 34. Yeah. Just like- I, th- I think we could have looked back at the world rankings and lots and lots of different times and see very, very similar things look american golf is in good position good place they've got lots of lots of good youngsters um but i think there's other you know there's europeans are doing pretty well as well the the issue that's well not, it's not an issue but kupka's won three of the last what five majors yeah americans won eight of the last nine yeah and kupka's won obviously three of them but if you look at the europeans for an era i would go like people under the age of like 38 or 35 something like that who are our best players for the future? You've got McElroy, Rahm. Molinari. Yeah, for Fleetwood. the next like 10 years. Yeah, Fleetwood would definitely be in there. Matt but, Wallace. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> but I think there's loads. That's, 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 that's my point. Eddie Pepperell. Eddie Pepperell's been playing brilliantly. Can you put Eddie Pepperell in the same bracket as Xander Schofle or Justin Thomas? Or Why not? Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau. Eddie Pepperell's done just, done just as well as them in the majors. Has he? Yeah. He's had a th- Where did he finish the Open last year? Third? A tied sixth. Tied sixth. Tide okay, wins. so, you know, right up there. Um, and then, yeah, at the, at the and top And also, end. I think the one thing which I will, you know, which is the, the, the proof, is the Ryder Cup last year, where, you know, the Europeans smashed the Americans in the end. You know, it was very one-sided. I know everyone will say, oh, it's the course and stuff like that, and home soil advantage. Fair enough. But that European team was very, very strong on paper and on grass. And, of course. And, you know, those, that American was, that team was very well fancied. This is only, you know, six months ago, whatever it was, seven months ago, maybe more than that, eight months ago. Um, and everything about that team looked really strong. And you think, oh, yeah, look at this. They've got Thomas Spieth, Johnson, Kupka, Finau. You know, that's without even thinking. Tiger's in there. Mickelson's in there. The European teams completely just demolished them. So, I think you know. It's, I think people are too quick to say, "Oh, look, oh, it's an era of dominance." You know, there's two majors left in this. They could easily be two European winners. But golf is very in a in a good place at the moment because there are some good American youngsters coming through, but also from all around the world. Hideki Matsuyama. I know he's not European, but he's another person who again had a good weekend just now. Played pretty well. Um, and more and he's someone we still think could actually have a, a big effect on, on world golf, couldn't he? Yeah, but I, I've kind of not studied, but I've paid a lot of attention to the world rankings historically. And I just think, yeah, the, the Americans are so strong at the moment. There's so many players under that age of 35 that are winning majors. They're winning WGCs. They're coming out of college and just winning in their rookie seasons on the PGA Tour with ease. Um, but that's, but America, America has a huge population of course it has 
huge golf infrastructure with the college system and all the courses and everything like that. I mean, the golf co- they also had the PJ Tour there, the biggest tour. So they're always going to have be loads and loads of Americans every year and keep on coming. The conveyor belt will keep going and going and going. That's because of what they've got. They've got the weather, you know, the size of the America. It's always sunny, one in America or somewhere, and you can always play golf there. So I don't think there's any... You know, America always going to have that, that advantage of it. Um, but I think... Yeah, the, the rest of the world golf is not in bad position, really. No, I'm not saying at all that European golf is not in a great position. World golf. Well, let's not just talk about European no. golf. Let's talk about world um, golf. Because there's plenty of good Australians and South Africans and players from Asia who, you know, are, are really having effect on world golf. Do you not think? Yeah, I would say. I don't, and also, I don't know why you want to think that there is an era of dominance. Why well, you seem you seem desperate to, for me to to agree with you on this, and you know that we can say, oh look, Americans have this dominance. I, I would like you to agree with me. That would be uh, nice. Look, I know, America are very very strong, and as I'm saying, they will always be very very strong because of the infrastructure that they have, and the investment they have, and the amount of money that goes into the you know into the game over there. They're always going to do that, but they're not dominant. I mean, if we're talking, if we look back where we were just at the start of the year, we're talking about Molinari. Well, we say how well he's playing. Molinari could easily have won the Masters. Yeah. You know? And. But he didn't, though. Yeah, no, he didn't. But An American won again. Oh, yeah, I know. T- Tiger won. I don't, no, I, under- I understand um, that. But there's more, uh, there's going to be, there's more Americans in the field every single week and every single major. There'll be more Americans than any other nationality because of the investment they have in the game, the population and the wealth that they have. So that's always going to be there. There's always going to be Americans, there's going to be more Americans winning it than winning than any, any else, anywhere else. That's happened for years and years and years. And it's not as much as, if you look at the, like the first, Europe, first European winner of the US Open, I think was 1970. So if you actually look around like the 60s, stuff like that, that's when there is really dominant force. And it wasn't really till the 80s, really, when suddenly you know, players from outside of America started winning majors. They've had that, that's when they had the dominant, when actually they didn't have that many non-Americans playing in those majors, I feel. Yeah, and then, yeah, it swayed, didn't it, to Australia, South Africa, uh, Europe. And even through growing up for me, I think it was a very, very international look. And... Um, well, Tiger was winning quite a lot then. Of course. So, yeah, I remember at the turn of the century, Tiger Woods was like 3-1 to one to win major, and David Durrell was 4-1. to one. Now, there were, there's other players that were around at the time also were doing well. Vijay Singh, for example, you know, who, who's non-American. Colin Montgomery, can't forget him, although he never won a major, of course. He obviously was an incredible player and did very, very well. So, um, yeah, it's the, well, I think the, the real thing, which I'm trying to say is, that actually the game of golf is in quite a good position because if America do have these young talent coming through and doing very, very well, that's only going to mean that more and more talent's going to come through. But I think what's really, really good is that actually not just Americans, it is also people from all around the world who are doing well and performing very well. Yeah, and there always will be. There won't. You, don't, you can't say that. You, can't, you don't know that. You, can't, you don't know that, that if, throughout, throughout history, for the next, you know, they're always going to have... You know, players coming from 
all these different places around the world who will, will be able to figure in, in golf. You think, look at how many Korean we're, uh, Korean winners we've had on tour and stuff like that. That's brilliant at the moment. Uh, what about China as well in the future? Yeah, I think exactly. Um, that, that, those are the, you know, Hao Tong Lee is obviously uh, the best Chinese player at the moment. Um, but you do wonder if there's going to be more and more players come for that, or, yeah. or, or it might not happen. I was thinking a couple of weeks ago actually, Hao Tong Lee could really be like the trailblazer for Chinese golf, and in 20 years or 30 years when he's retired, will just be a legend, and all these young Chinese players will be like, yeah, I looked up to Hao Tong Lee. Yeah, absolutely, and that's the, that's the thing. That is the thing. You don't know where, where it's, we're going to be in 20, 30 years' time. Um, I'm not sure, but the thing is, America will always have that. As I said, they've got such a good system there, and that's why so many players go over when they're young and play in their, their college system because it's it's just a conveyor belt. You know, you can go from that onto the tours. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see. I'm sure people will have their own opinions as well. So, if you do have your opinion on whether you think America is completely dominating golf at the moment, then do uh, drop us a line on uh, Twitter at Golf Monthly or Instagram at Golf Monthly or on Facebook at Golf Monthly Magazine. But yeah, so just going through the, the world rankings, so we've got number one, Brooks Kepka. I think he is 30 years old, four-time major winner. Actually, he's 29. Second, DJ, 33, Are you going to old. list the whole of the world rankings? Here? No, no, just some of them. Um, DJ obviously won the 2016 US Open, 20 PJ Tour titles. Uh, Tiger Woods, don't really need to mention him. Justin Thomas, major winner, 26 years old. Patrick Cantlay, 27 years old, and we just see, I, you, heard see, him. You see, I know, but you just, you've just missed out. You've missed out Justin Rose, who's been world number one. Yeah. And he's, he's not American, is he? No, but there's seven Americans in the top ten. Yeah, I know. I know yeah. Rose, McElroy, and... Um, Molinari? Molinari would be the other three in the top ten. Yeah, but then, so there's three. John Rahm? John Rahm, I think, is going to be the best European player over the next decade. He is in this calibre of American player, I would say, from that college system that comes straight out. There's loads of loads of potentially you know non-Americans who are doing very well in it, on all the majors every every time we team up. But could you imagine if Europe had someone like Bryson DeChambeau, a 26-year-old, five-time PGA Tour winner? I don't think we have anyone like that, and they've got five or six of them. Yeah, well, uh, yes, it, but uh, you're, still, you're still missing my point that there is more Americans playing in these events. So there's always going to be these people. Uh, there's always going to be Americans who win multiple PGA Tour titles. Charles Howe the third, you know, he's won how many times a tour now? Twice. Yeah. Yeah. And he's had a million second places or whatever it is. He is a person who's won so much money and done so well in so many different tournaments, but he doesn't get spoken about. Now, if because he, he's American, and there's all loads and loads of other people who've won more and more and more titles. If he was European, then he'd be shouted about a lot, a lot more. But that's just how it is, because there's always going to be Americans on there who 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 guys like that who are just journeymen who actually earn millions and millions of dollars, play loads of great golf, and if they were British, they'd be household names. But they're not. So anyway, let us know: Are <laughs> we in a period of American dominance? Eight of the last nine major winners Stop are trying to make your point. You, you're now repeating yourself. You, I do feel like I'm repeating myself. Well, yeah, but yeah just let us know your thoughts. Yeah. And there's no, look, America, a lot of Americans have won loads and loads of majors recently. But that's mainly down to Kutka, isn't it? Kutka's won three of the last five. You know, before before that, more, a European one. So, you know, and, the, and then the year before that, you think of how, oh, like Sergio winning, Danny Willett winning. 
Justin Rose winning US Open. Probably forgetting someone. So, you know, there's there's loads of different different players out there. At the moment, in the last couple of majors, obviously, Americans have done very well. So, anyway, I think we should move on because I don't think we're going to agree with it anyway. And there is something else that we want to talk about at the Memorial. Uh, and one of those players who you did mention... Another American ranked 13th in the world. Yep, yeah, who you're, you're not very happy with. Uh, Matt Kuchar, who tried... Who's having, he's having a bad year. He's having a bad year. He's had a lot of controversy. One in Mexico with a reserve caddy who then... He didn't pay enough money to, according to, to people, whatever. People, have, people think he should have paid him a lot more money than the uh, reported 20 grand that he did. No, it's reportedly five grand. Well, I think that's gone up now, hasn't it? He's paid him 50 now, I believe. Okay. I don't think we know that. That's not facts, is it? We don't actually know what's actually happened. I think it's very well reported. Yeah, that doesn't mean that's facts. Um, so he's had that. He then... What was his next problem? Um, Sergio Garcia at the WGC yep. match play. Dobbed Sergio in to a ref. Uh, well, we didn't... Do- well, there was, a, there was a controversial non-given gimme and the world match play, which I don't actually think was Kutcher's fault. We had this conversation before already. Uh, we think Sergio really was more at fault for that, but Kutcher didn't seem to come out of it very well. And then, this week, he drove the ball in what was reasonably soft conditions at Memorial, drove his ball down the fairway, and it came to rest in a pitch mark from someone else's drive. Uh, he then had a big conversation with not one but two refs for eight minutes. This for eight, eight minutes to try and get a free drop, saying that his ball had also caused a, a kind of a pitch mark inside the pitch mark. Yep, uh, broken new ground. Yeah, was the yeah. Term which, he was saying. Well, yes, well, yeah, the term that he was saying, which I don't think made much sense. So he was kind of saying, "Look, actually, I'm now in an ind- another indentation inside the indentation." Yeah, my ball is embedded, is what he's trying yeah, to claim. Yeah, so which if he, if he had his ball had been embedded um, from something that had just been from his uh, shot, say for example, it landed in his own pitch mark in the fairway. He would have got a free drop. I'm yeah, if it had plugged, but it hadn't yeah. plugged. It yeah. rolled into somebody else's divot. Yeah, um, pitch yeah. mark. Yeah, exactly. And as we know, it's it's like rolling into a divot. You know, in that situation, it is unlucky, and you have to play it as you as it lies. Kucher went on and on and on about this. He was not getting many good remarks from the commentators. Mark Rhodes, in particular, was couldn't believe that he was going on and on about it. And after eight minutes, they made him play for it line. I think he got a par, but. What's Kucha doing? I know, it was shocking, wasn't it? Just He's been a bit of a PR nightmare this year, hasn't he? So there was a clip that went on social media from the PJ Tour of the whole incident, and it mysteriously got taken down. Yeah. So to be honest with you, PJ Tour don't usually put things which are like that on their Twitter. They usually put birdies and holes and ones and eagles and stuff. People winning. They don't usually... If someone has, if someone's having a shock here, hacking it around, they don't go, oh, here's a... Here's, X <laughs> shooting yeah. 83 so that was a bit odd I think in the end I don't know whether they were trying to put that on to to, to show the ruling and that didn't realise it was going to be quite a, quite as controversial I'm not sure but well, maybe Cooch's people realised that it was a terrible PR disaster for po- him and asked it to be removed possibly because possibly. the whole of social media was was painting him and it was everywhere and all sorts yeah it was, it was up everywhere else so you know um 
I, yeah, people, you know, if people want to find the incident, I'm sure they can find it on their social media. So. Well, I would say, though, most people listening to this will not have had their views influenced on Matt Kutcher last week. I think he's completely lost his whole reputation already. So this is just another another thing. It doesn't really I, well, mean I, yeah, anything. I, well, I'm not... I'm think this is the, I think this is the worst thing that he's done. So for th- the three events, the three issues he's had, the caddy issue... He agreed with the caddy before the tournament how much money he was going to get paid. He then paid that caddy that much money. So he didn't break any promises or anything like that. It got completely out of hand. He just got caught out being a bit tight, didn't he? Exactly. Which, you know, there's lots of people who are tight out there, I'm sure, Elliot. I'm not talking about you before you you, you get defensive. You're a very generous man, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> Do you want a beer, Tom? <laughs> Not right now, no. Uh, <laughs> so that, you know, I think, you know, the story got leaked and they didn't deal with it. Oh, and then he said they didn't um, deal with it very well. five grand for a guy who earns $200 a week is really good money. Yeah. Which he which, got caned for which as well. He, which is also probably true, but you shouldn't be saying it. Uh, and also, he just won $1.2 million, you know, give him a tip. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard. Anyway, that's I don't have an issue with that because, you know, he's got that sorted. The whole Sergio thing, as I've already mentioned, that was Sergio mucking up, in my opinion. You know, he, he missed the putt and then tried to tap it in, missed it before he got given the gimme. Sorry, get get over it. He could, could Kutcher maybe done it, dealt with it a little bit differently? Again, probably could have done, but it's match play. There's lots of other people who have, uh, you know, won holes by using the rules of advantage and, and, and other things. Uh, but this is the thing which... <laughs> I think is not has really shown it because he's really trying to bend the rules in this situation. We've had other rules instances this year. Say for example, I know there's one that you didn't like, where Dustin Johnson, uh, yes, got you know made sure that his feet were on a path so he got a free drop. That's being clever and using the rules to your advantage. Yeah, that's bending the rules. You know, to, to, you know to get to get the best out of a bad situation. And I thought that was clever course management from Dustin Johnson in that situation. And knowing the rules is really important sometimes because, you know, sometimes in, in those instances, we've known, always look, look at that Jordan Spieth incident at the Open at Birkdale where he knew the rules, took his time, got worked it all out perfectly and ended up getting away with a bogey when he could have got, you know, it could have been much worse for him. In this situation, Kucha is not knowing the rules and he's actually just trying to pull a fast one. Uh, you know, he's just had a bad. He's got a bad line fairway. It happens to everybody who plays golf, and you just have to deal with it. And what was worse was, you know what? If actually he'd just gone to the ref and said, "Look, this is this is what the first ref and said, look, the ball. This is what happened. I want a ruling on it.'" And he'd accepted the ruling from the ref. I think we wouldn't be talking about it. No, yeah, I agree. You know, it was because he he asked for a second opinion, and then he got seen to get more and more petulant. And you're just like, just get on with it, mate. He even asked for a third opinion. Yeah. And after the second ref told him, no, sorry, Matt, just carry on, uh, he still carried on arguing, even after the referee had told him that he'd made his decision. Yeah. And that that's, you know, that's surprising. I don't think any professional golfer should do that, any professional sportsman, really. You know, the referee's decision is supposed to be final in these this situation. And I do wonder whether, actually, the PGA Tour should have penalised him in, in some other way, actually, or... Should have warned his warned him on his behaviour. Maybe they have. You don't know. But uh, yeah, that's very disappointing. And yeah, I'm I disappointed because I'm quite a big Cooch fan. You know, I like Cooch. I've 
I bet on him a lot. I've You're still a Kucha fan. I, I even no, after I, I'm, I, I, that, that's what I'm saying. I, that has affected me now, and actually, and I'm, the other incidents didn't. Not so much. Not so much. The the cat the cat as I said the caddy thing is a. I I don't think that should have come out. To be honest with you, I think that was a that should be. I don't like the, when things like that, which are actually just a professional agreement between a player and a caddy, come out into the press. I, you know, I think it sometimes can be. Uh, tricky. I know it, we're the press and we report on it because you know it's out there, but I always think that's a bit murky. I felt it was a little bit underhand. The match play thing, as I've said, that was Sergio's fault in my opinion. I know you have your probably other thoughts about that as well, but I think that yeah, the caddy situation completely ruined his reputation there and then, and then these two incidents have just um, dug himself deeper, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I do completely agree with you on this one that he should have taken the ref's advice straight away and yeah. got on with his round of golf. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, in, in that situation where you've got a weird lie, it's not like it was in a divot. You know, if he's in a divot, it's, it's pretty clear what's happened. It's because it's... That is rare to fall into... to come to rest into someone else's pitch mark. That is unlucky. It's never really, happened to me. That is very, very unlucky, isn't it? Yeah. Because, <laughs> actually, it, you've, you've got to be so... Uh, yeah. He's got to really <laughs> fall into it. So, um, to get a ruling on that, I would have been... Oh, OK. Yeah. That I would have been actually quite interested by the ruling, and I'm not sure I would have known exactly what to do myself in that situation. No. Um, so yeah, that would have been interesting. But then to just go from on and on about it, just like come and mate, get on with it. Um, and also, he didn't play very well, Mr. Cut in the end, didn't he? So yeah, it happens. So yeah, if you'd if you'd been playing with Matt Cooch at that point, what would you have said to Matt? Or would you what? Or would you have said anything to him? Um, I probably would have said. Go for it, mate, and then just <laughs> told everyone. Oh, I played with Matt Cooch today. He cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the kind of guy. Well, I would say. So sorry. what you're saying, you wouldn't actually say the tr- what you actually thought to someone's face. You just stab them in the back later. <laughs> but in this instance, Matt Cooch would not have taken my advice, would he? If it was just me and him playing in a medal or something. Yeah, if and, he- that, and that's what you're supposed to obviously do. That's what the usual uh, club golfer does. You know, you, we don't have a don't have refs wandering around with us very rarely we do every now and then don't we um, you know sometimes you've got to talk to your playing partner and you've got to between the, the two of you or three of you come up with a rolling and it's got to be the right one and he just seemed yeah he just seemed to be putting too much pressure on the refs there and that's they were very firm which I really liked yeah the refs were excellent so yeah. in that situation they haven't always been on the PJ Tour have they no where was that ref when DJ was Making a really wide stance and putting yeah, his but foot that, on a path when said, he's behind a tree. There's nothing wrong with that, though. That, it's well within. Yeah, that was a problem with the rules of golf, not DJ. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. And as I said, you've got to know the rules to use them to your advantage. I mean, make sure you don't, you don't, you don't put yourself in a in a in a bad position when you actually get yourself in a better position. But also making sure that your playing partners are also you know following the same rules as everybody else. So um, yeah. I don't think Cooch is going to come out of this very well, and um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Moving on, there was another tournament last week, the Belgian Knockout, which was one of these strange hybrid events on the European Tour, which was stroke play and kind of match play. But it was actually pretty decent, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was really, really good. I loved it. Obviously, the field was average at best, but yeah, a great format. The Belgian fans attended it really well. Yep. The course looked beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I really like that format, actually. I didn't think I would, but 
No, it's really good. Yeah, so Guido Migliosa won his second European Tour title in his first season. So he's he won the Magical Kenyan Open or whatever it was called uh, a couple of months ago. And then he's won this now as well. He beat Darius Van Driel in the, the final, who we don't know too much about. Uh, and he also beat Wiesberger in the quarters. And Ewan Ferguson, the Scot, in the semi-finals. Your friend, isn't he, Ewan Ferguson? Well, uh, he's not, I'm not so sure I can call him a friend, as I've never even spoken to him. <laughs> Have you uh, not? No. He was at a tailor-made day that uh, we ran uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when yeah, So Ewan Ferguson was there, put on a clinic for some of the readers. He's a really interesting guy. Hits the ball very nicely, as you can probably imagine, being a tour pro. And a guy who seemed to be confident in his game and showing that obviously he did quite well getting to the semi-finals of this. But also, at that time, the, so some of the readers were getting fitted uh, by some of TaylorMade's tour uh, fitters. And the fitter I spoke to, um, I asked him, is there any, um, was there any players that he'd, he'd fitted um, who he had like a really good story about, who'd, who'd gone on to do really well? And he actually said Migliosa. So he said he'd been fitting him for, for fifth, since he was 15, I think that's seven years ago, and through that time, he obviously gone through lots of different fittings and new product and helping him out in his game. And he was one of the ones that really stood out when he won in Kenya. So for him to win again, he was one of the reasons why I then went to tip him this week. So we we got a winner on yeah, our Yeah, congrats tier. on that. Yeah, one or, You're uh, quite good at tipping these weird events, aren't I you? I know, I don't know you what You had the is. World Super 6 Perth two years in a row. I think I, think I did it three years I in a row. I think you might have done. Yeah. So, but I, I also really like it because it's... Some of these guys, they can scrape through. So the first two rounds was just to get down to 64 players. And they did it even weirder than I, I actually realised. They split the the field into two halves and the top 32 from each of the halves of the fields in stroke play over the first two rounds then went on to the um, to the match play kind of... stroke. It was match play knockout. No, stroke, stroke play, play knockout. Stroke play knockout, that's right. Um, and so it means that you can scrape through... You know, after playing two average rounds of golf, whatever, or decent rounds of golf, and then actually you're you're exactly the same level playing field as everyone else come the next day, and I think it's 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 pretty. For exciting, example, um, home favourite Thomas Detry, who was carrying by far the biggest crowd on Saturday, shot two under par, and lost to Gavin Green, who shot three under. And then in other groups like Matt Southgate progressed shooting level par, so exactly. yeah, yeah, it was quite unlucky that Detry didn't get through. But yeah, yeah, yeah I know, that's but it, match play, isn't it? Exactly, and that's no, it's it's good, it's interesting. I like the way that he builds up to a final, and the way that they do it over uh, over the nine holes means that they're not too long the matches, but they're long enough. That's why I think that sometimes the Super Six uh, in Australia, I think the six holes is something sometimes just a little too short. Uh, you don't actually have anywhere, you know, if you have a bad two first two holes, you're almost out of it. Yeah, you saw away. Adrian Otegi this year in the final um, completely fall off a cliff after yeah. three holes and it was com- it was over in the final, wasn't it? Yeah. So, uh, no, it was, it's, it was very, very interesting. So, um, he's the second 2018 Q School graduate to win twice on the 2019 European Tour season after Kurt Kitayama as well. So, some good... I know Kurt Kitayama's American, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. So go back to your age of dominance. You could have mentioned him as well, couldn't you? But uh, you know, a young, you know, a young Italian who's do- another young Italian doing well. Uh, you know, suddenly Italians have got a few good. Decent really good up. to see. Yeah, lovely guy as well. He was at a TaylorMade day just like the one you were on about a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, we were chatting to him, having a coffee and whatever, and he, yeah, he just seemed 
lovely guy. I think he's from Venice, he was saying. Um, but it's about miles. There's not many golf courses in Venice. No. Um, a few water features. Very athletic. Yeah, hits it far. Good player. And yeah. he's made a very quick progression, well, hasn't he? Well, yes, winning twice on in a season, not many people do that, do they? So I think he's... Um, and it's only June. I think he's represented by Niall Horan and Modest Management as well. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah. Interesting. So, good stuff. Now, this week on tour, we have a big event and a small event. Uh, <laughs> the big event is the RBC Canadian Open. As you've written down here, Elliot, a huge field in Canada, including Kupka, McElroy, Johnson, Thomas, Garcia and Stenson. Takes place at Hamilton Golf Club for the sixth time and the first uh, since 2012. Uh, it's designed by Harry Colt, who designed the likes of Sunningdale. I can tell you you've written this. <laughs> who designed the likes of Sunningdale, Wentworth, Swinley Forest and St George's Hill. All your favourite golf courses. Uh, so you're going to be watching it. Not a long golf course, measures less than 7,000 yards. The Canadian Open was first played 115 years ago in 1904. It says here, it's the third oldest continuously running tournament after the Open and the US Open. You've really gone to town on this. Yeah, very historic event. Like we've said in the um, Q&A last week, this is the type of event that you would perhaps want on your golfing CV. Indeed. So Dustin Johnson is the defending champion, although Scott Percy won the last time it was hosted at Hamilton in 2012. Fuick was the champion at Hamilton in 2006. So you looking forward to it? Yes. I know you are because you keep on going on about it and you've, and you've written an absolute book here as a preview. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's got a huge field with some huge hitters, but it's only 7,000 yards long. Well, actually, it's less than that. Mm-hmm. And Jim Furyk won here in 20, 2006. So who could win it? Anyone. <laughs> it's going to be a very exciting week. Well, yeah. I think. And it's got a really good field, hasn't it? Um, this we- is the biggest event in Canada. It's one of the oldest tournaments in the world, so it's going to be great fields, good course, lots of fun. Yeah, week before the US Open as well. So a few guys obviously um, looking to get their game in shape ahead of Pebble Beach. I wonder if you'll be picking a Canadian this week. I um, usually try and pick one of the home guys, someone like an Adam Hadwin or something like that. Yeah, I think Corey Connors is Canadian. Corey he won yeah, yeah. Uh, six weeks ago or so. Yeah, so uh, as, as mentioned earlier, I did have a winner last week, finally. Been a bit low on winners, but hopefully that means we're going to get a bit of a run of form. So if what you did, odds did you get about? I, I got him at 60s, I think. I'm going to have to check. I haven't actually checked. So yeah, that's a nice, decent winner. So if you want to know who I'm betting on this week, do Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly uh, article that you'll see. That will be out on Tuesday, if you're, uh, if, you're reading, if you're listening to this beforehand. Who do you think is going to do well? Just looking at those headline names, probably go DJ. I um, he does a, well in this tournament. I have a feeling that Sergio's going to have a good week. I don't know why. It just springs off. He's not been playing badly. No, he hit the ball really nicely. So um, yeah, wait and see. Wait and see. Whether Big I'm week right. for Rory though. He missed the cut last week, which was his first missed cut all year. Yeah, uh, he only missed it by one. But obviously got the US Open next week, so he'd like to probably get a top ten or it's top five. But it's good. It's good that these guys are playing golf, and there's other names which you wonder maybe they should be playing golf a bit more than they are. Ah, oh, not this again. <laughs> Justin not, Rose. I'm, he played I'm, last week. I know he played. I'm not I'm not mentioning I didn't mention Justin Rose. You said there. But I do I do think that people some people you know Rory's not in I don't think Rory thinks he's in great form, which is weird because I think he's he's having a hell of a year. So 
Um, I think he's just going to try and play, play some tournament rounds, get them under his belt ahead of the major, which I think is the way to do it. These are athletes. It's their job to play golf. So I still feel that they have a lot of rest weekends and stuff like that. Oh, I'm going to get my, I'm going to have a rest. Another one. I mean, he played two tournaments in the last three months. I mean, so yeah, but if you're earning 15 million quid a year, yeah, sure, why would not, you play every week? You've well, just go on holiday that. all the time. It's not about that, is it? That's about trying to win some events and getting some good form to for the majors. So I don't think they're all on holiday. They might be. I don't know. But um, yeah. one thing I'd like to say ahead of the US Open next week. If you had a gun to my head, which I know you don't, and you <laughs> said to me, Elliot, who's going to win the US Open? But, uh, OK, Elliot, who's going to win the US Open? Tiger Woods. <laughs> and you say, say that about every major. You've said that every major this year. You've managed to get one right. Did I say it about Beth Page? I'm not sure. Yes. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the US Open at Pebble Beach, where he's won already. He was in the top five there last time. He was seven under through 13 holes, I think, yesterday. He's playing so well. Yeah. Like you said earlier, he's had that week of competitive action before majors. Doesn't have I, a cold. Seems to have a, he wasn't very well, was, was he, at Beth Page? So. No. Um, so, yeah, you heard it here first, guys. I don't think it was, you're the first person to say that. I'm going to say that. No? No. Number 16 next week. 16. Yeah. How much money are you putting on it? I might put two quid each way. Maybe. Boom. Yeah. Wallet, that is a big bet for you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't bet. It's, um, there is another odd event on the European Tour, which is pretty decent. Golf Sixes in Portugal. These are team events. People play in pairs and they play over six holes against other teams from around the world. Who am I most excited about seeing at the Golf Sixes in Portugal, Elliot? Uh, the team of Scott Hend and Wade Ormsby. I can't. I'm so pumped for the, <laughs> the team Australia. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of Scott Hend. Yeah, I managed to pick the winner in this a couple of times as well, actually. Really? Yeah. So the Paul Dunn won it with... Uh, Gavin Moynihan. Well done, thanks for remembering that. That was a couple of years ago at Centurion. And uh, yeah, it's four groups of four, top two teams progress to Saturday quarterfinals and then it suddenly it goes along the same kind of lines as the, the Belgian knockout. And, you know, they don't... It's not got a big field. It's not got a big prize pool. So actually, I think this is quite a good idea for the European Tour to to try and do something different instead of having you know they can't get the big big names ahead of the US Open. They know they're not going to do it, especially up against the Canadian Open. Uh, so let's have something a little bit different. Try it out. See if you can get some some TV ratings. And uh, yeah, I think it's a good idea. This yeah. So it's on on Friday and Saturday this week. This is the first one that's taken place outside of the UK. So mm-hmm. is that. Centurion yep. last two years I think yep. and um, you said it's not a big prize fund but it is for the two female teams yep, so absolutely. I remember um, Mel Reed last year saying that this is a massive event for her because she played last year she's not playing this year but um, yeah uh, quite a nice event I really did enjoy the Belgian knockout last week so yeah if you're at home on Friday or Saturday in the afternoon and nothing's on stick this on and I'm sure it'll be a good watch yeah and Otavis Dunes where they're playing is quite a spectacular golf course as well so check it out enjoy it and watch some other golf ahead of the PGA Golf and all the big names in the evening so I think it should be really good so moving on to the thing I've been dreading all day because I don't think I'm in a very good position place to answer stuff especially after the heavy weekend hopefully there's some Champions League questions in here for our quiz, ten questions. 
Hopefully there's some AJ Ruiz questions in there. <laughs> if there's, yeah, there's the Champions League <laughs> slash boxing questions, we might have a chance to answer these. I have a feeling they're going to be just a bit golfy. Uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Right, question one. Guido Migliosi won the Belgian knockout, collecting his second European Tour win of 2019. What was his first? I said this already. Nice easy start there from the quiz master. I'm off the mark. Quick single. Question two. The Italian has 13 clubs made by the same brand. Name the brand. I think have I said this already as well. <laughs> <laughs> I said that whether that was the answer to Sam. You earlier. did, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't say anything. Question three. Patrick Cantley won the Memorial Tournament by two strokes. But can you tell me how old he is? You said this oh. as well. I can't remember what you said now. Oh, no. <laughs> That's right. Question four. Two Australians came in the top five at the tournament. Name them both. What's the tournament? The Memorial? I think the Memorial. Yes. Who's the other one? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm having a slight blank moment. Oh. It wasn't Wade Ormsby. <laughs> Thanks for the clue. <laughs> Question five. Someone who we haven't spoken about is jo- Jung Lung Lee, the sixth, or whatever she's known as on the LPGA tour, uh, won the US Women's Open this week. But what was the name of the host course? Oh. Oh, I know this, but I can't think of it. I actually watched the end of this as well. Oh no, I can't. I don't know. I might even have to say no answer for that. Question six: Augusta National Women's Amateur Champion Jennifer Kupko made her pro debut at the US Women's Open this week. But what state was she born? Crikey! <laughs> Utah, Colorado, or Nevada? Augusta National Women's Amateur Champion Jennifer. Kupcho, am I saying that right? Kupcho yep. made a pro debut at the US Women's Open this week, but what state was she born? Utah, Colorado, or Nevada? You'll get that right. Question seven. Dustin Johnson won last year's RBC Canadian Open. What was his winning under par score? He loves these kind of questions. He does, doesn't he? should really look at this. Something's thing. just come to me. I'm just going to go oh, with that. No. Going to go early. No idea, but okay. feels right. Question eight. There have been six golfers who have won the Canadian Open in two consecutive. <laughs> there have been. I'm going to have to read this again. There have been six golfers who have won the Canadian Open in two consecutive years. Name one of them. Only one point and off here, not a point for each. So he's saying name one golfer who's won it in consecutive years. You know, do you know that? I believe I do know one of those six, yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's a big guess. I have guessed. Question nine. Denmark and Ireland are the two previous winners of the Gulf Sixes taking place next week. <laughs> Nathan. <the, laughs> this, this is an odd question. Cause we've just also because we just spoke about it. Denmark and Ireland are the two previous winners of the Gulf Sixes. Name the four players that made up those two teams. Two players on each team. Point for each player. Oh, so four points up for grabs. Oh, I can't think of the other person. I know. Th- I definitely know three of them. 
Oh no, maybe I do know. I think maybe yeah, I think so. Definitely two of them because we just said them. But uh, okay, in question ten, Jim Furyk has moved into the world's top fifty golfers in the official rankings. But what was his ranking at the end of twenty eighteen? Closest wins. Okay, where am I going to go? Where are you going to go? Oh, you don't look very happy. One of my lucky numbers I've put down. That's a clue. I think I've gone far too high here, but okay. I'm going to stick with that. Okay, right. So, interesting quiz from Sam. Well done, Wait, Sam. sorry. When was it? End of? 2018. Oh. Oh, no. Sorry. That. <laughs> end of, la- end of last year. That second place of the players would have moved him up loads anyway well quite <laughs> now I think I've, made, I've got the wrong answer anyway uh, Migliozzi won the Belgian knockout collecting second European tour winner of 29 what was his first the magical Kenyan Open magical Kenyan Open tick question two the Italian has 13 clubs made by the same brand name the brand Taylor Made. Taylor Made. I was right I guessed that before even the quiz was out here thanks Sam well done Question three, Patrick Cantley won the Memorial Tournament by two strokes. Can you tell me how old he is? What have you put? 27. I have also put 27. He's oh. 27. Wow, three out of three. This is, I'm not sure I've got this. So we t- Nate, two Australians came in the top five of the tournament. Now, before we give the answers, because I don't know the answers are, are we doing a point for each? Uh, what does the question say? It says two Australians came in the top five of the tournament. Name them both. One point. One point, because you know what it is, don't you? Yeah, I think you know as well. I put Scott and Leishman. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, I knew about Scott, I didn't know about Leishman. <laughs> Couldn't remember. Oh, that's all right. Question five, I have not put an answer. Uh, it's a country club of a city, and I just forgot what the city's called. I went for what was West- the host course of the US Women's Open? Country club of Westchester, but I think that's wrong. Oh, country club of Charleston. Uh, I, I wouldn't got that in a long time. Question six. This is, I think, this could be a very important one. Yeah. Uh, which state was Jennifer Cucho born? Colorado. Oh, I put Utah. Oh, Colorado. I did do the winning report. For I the, know. Uh, that's Dustin why I thought you might know that. Question seven. Uh, what was Dustin Johnson's la- winning score last year? Twenty-one under. Oh, I put twenty-three under. Oh. Bet's 22. Oh, 23 under. Oh, come on. That was a complete guess. I've, I've done that loads this year. Come on. You're just admitting that you're really lucky. Oh, th- that was very lucky. I knew it was high. I couldn't. I, I, just thought, I knew it was in the 20s. I went, uh, you know, Michael Jordan was... Well, tw- hopefully you've got the next one wrong. Okay, well, I may have done. There have been six golfers who have won the Canadian Open in two consecutive years. Name one of them. Who have you put? Jim Furyk. Oh, I was going to... He won it in 06 and 07. Oh, I should have put Jim Furyk. I put Luke Donald. Is Luke Donald on I don't know. Jonathan Vegas, Jim Furyk, Jim Ferrier, Sam Sneed, Leo Deagle, twice, and James Douglas Edgar. Of course, Vegas. Didn't you I back know. him both I years? I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is... That is uh, yeah, that's odd. I might have had a mind blip. Do you remember when we were at the Open last year at Carnoustie and it was Thursday and you were like, oh, chaps, just heard Jonathan Vegas is on a helicopter flying down from London. He lost his... Flying up. He had a shocker, didn't he? he got, oh, no, he didn't realise he qualified. 
No, I think was he his had first visa. His first reserve, wasn't he? I thought, thought he had visa issues. Yeah. Oh, maybe. He had to go to London in the morning. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. And then, oh, yeah. But then what happened to his clubs? Because he was using random clubs. Yeah, he, yeah he had... Oh, yeah, that was he had a shocker. Yeah. I think they, he, he, he was running really late. Shock, shocker with his visa and his clubs got lost as well. So. Yeah, and he was doing Instagram videos from the helicopter. Yeah, I quite, quite like Johnny Vegas. I can't, I can't believe I've got about that. Anyway... Question nine. Denmark and Ireland are the two previous winners of the Gulf Sixes. Who are the players who play for them? I'll go. Yeah, go on then. Olsson, Beergaard, Dunn, right. Moynihan. What did you put? I put uh, Dunn, Moynihan, Bjorn and Kelton. Oh. No, I'm joking. I put Beergaard and Olsson. Did, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, I promise. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember Beergaard. So did we get a point for each? We did. Oh, like we all got four. Okay. So, how much have you got? One question to go. One, two, three, four. I've got ten. Oh, I've got nine. Well, I think you've probably got this. I've gone way too high. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no I don't know then. So, uh, Jim Furyk's moved into the World's Top 50 golf in the official rankings, but what was his ranking at the end of 2018? Closest wins. I said 81. Oh, I went 827. 827. Yeah, he's Ryder Cup captain and had a... 827. <laughs> I did say I If I haven't won this, I'll be gutted. 223. Oh. So actually, I was nowhere near, but I was still... 800! <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to you slip just, down the rankings, isn't it? You've fallen on your sword there. 800. So that's... We drew. Yeah, 10 all. <laughs> 10 all. It's what it sounded like we got all of them right. We didn't. Anyway... <laughs> that's the worst answer on we've ever had. So, um, fourteen seven to me is it? I think fourteen next, year, next week. No, you haven't put a fourteen eight. You haven't put a point on my score. So you reckon it was thirteen seven before yeah. this week? All right, because I won last week, didn't I? Fourteen eight. Anyway, that was exciting. Hopefully, you guys did did as well or as badly as we did. Uh, next week is the US Open, so we're going to do the podcast nice and early next week. And look ahead to who you know, who we think is going to do well at Pebble. Is Phil Mickelson going to complete the career Grand Slam? Is Tiger Woods going to win his 16th major? Is Patrick Cantlay going to win his first major? Or is Brooks Kepka going to win the title for the third straight year? Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So loads to chat about next week. We'll have a good good look. There'll be loads of videos or audio of people um, moaning about the rough or lack of rough or whatever it is at Pebble Beach so we can chat loads and loads about, about it but it should be really good so until then have a fantastic week Elliot have a good week thank you enjoy the Canadian Open and the Golf Sixes I will I will and uh, yeah until next week speak to you then bye